0: Welcome to the that was the week that was edition. of sharing socks. I'm Southside Sox Duty geezer Lee Allen with me, my son and West Coast correspondent Will. And we have many, many socks related things to talk about, none of which have anything to do with baseball. But <laughs> <laughs> before we get to that, I, I wanna because otherwise we totally forget this because we get into all that other stuff. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 9th of August. And this morning, The Athletic brought up a subject that we have talked about many times over oh. the last few years, although they say, and I couldn't read the entire article because it's paywall, but there was a lot of it before <laughs> the paywall. So, uh, and the, the essence of it is, you can't make an error anymore at Major League Baseball. We've, oh, we've gone God. over this. And they say this year, they came up with the stats that this year is much worse than even last year or the year before and it's been years since they called errors on anything except a throw into row Q where the guy got an extra base.
1: <laughs> yeah. If the ball doesn't go through your legs at an exit velocity of 80 miles per hour or less, with a nice even bounce. Error. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is insane. I've been, I've been going to a lot of games out here this year, a lot, and it just cracks me up. Every time. I mean a guy will get a, a one hop ground ball that goes in and out of the glove and into the outfield. That's a hit. That's a hit. <laughs> With an exit velocity of ninety four. You know, I I'm like, these are major league baseball players. <laughs> and we are and I'm not saying that we're not seeing some some good clean defense. Freddie Freeman has no errors at first base for the Los Angeles Dodgers this year. And also is also hitting like eight hundred. Kind of, <laughs> kind of telling on its own uh, how they may be ruling some of these things. Even though Freddie is very, very good, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it has just become an absolute joke. I have been to games out here where, from my standards, I've seen three or four errors in a game where teams walk out with no errors listed. I, I mean, if I were a defender, I'd be thrilled. Be like, oh, I can miss anything and I don't get an error. That's pretty cool.
0: But well. And if you're a batter, because you get a hit, you hit a yep. routine little two hopper and, and boom, you got a hit, your batting average goes up. I think one reference they made was that the shortstop has to make two steps to his left and then
1: blows it. Hit. <laughs> That's a hit. That's a hit. If you had to take a step, it's a hit. That's what we're talking uh, about.
0: It, it, it is just, a, yeah. Guys who I think would be upset, and I maybe down in that article, it's the pitchers. Right. Pitchers are getting blamed for everything, and it's not their fault. And in I would think pitchers for the White Sox, the worst defensive team out there for year after year after year. And they mentioned, I mean, look at Hendricks said lots about it. Uh, Lance Lynn, who we're going to talk about some more coming up, uh, had much to say about it. How horrible the defense. And of course, a lot of that was they didn't have a left or right fielder. You just had Luis in the middle getting really disgusted last year because he was expected to play the game foul line to foul line. So he didn't care anymore. anymore. Uh, this year, he's been much better since he has an actual left fielder and kind of a right fielder. Uh, but anyhow, that I just want to bring that up. We're not the only ones who notice that it is absolutely ridiculous that there is no responsibility
1: at all to catch a baseball. And hey, it's so strange of, of why they're doing that. I know batting average isn't – Important these days, so maybe they're like, "Well, it's better to let the opposing team's batting no, average
0: go up." I, I've seen many times, and not just this year, but years in the past, where a batter will be upset and go up and argue with the official score because he didn't get a hit on his little two hopper to second base. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's ridiculous. And The standards hmm, we're going to get into standards on the white chalk. But, so but you're, but you're exactly,
1: you're exactly right about about the pitchers should be angry about this because it's making the batting average against them go way up and it's putting guys on base all the time that they aren't actually responsible for. And yet they get the earned run that guy scores. And you, you see it in virtually every single game, a borderline routine play that is then all of the sudden rule to base hit. I I don't understand the psychology behind it. I certainly there were errors in the game when I was growing. I saw one team had uh might have been the Cardinals had four errors the other night. And I was like, "What? What could they have done to get four errors?" I mean, did did the fielder just throw the ball into the upper deck of the stadium as a joke just to see if they could get an error? Because getting four errors seems almost impossible right now. It seems virtually impossible. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, they do give them out more on throws than anything else. It seems to be. Because that- you can't avoid it because it gives an extra base. Right.
0: If, if, if there's a wild throw from an infielder to first and the guy would have been out if it had, if it had been a good throw, it's going to get called a hit. Unless it goes to the dugout. So that he gets to second base, or it takes a crazy hop and he gets to second base. You can't give him a double. Right. <laughs> you have to right. call it a hit. He's got to get his hit, even though he was two
1: steps short of the base when it went by. But a hit and an error. <laughs> yeah. Fun. But give it two more years, and we're gonna see a lot of <laughs> infield doubles I like got. A lot of infield doubles. They're going to argue that the spin that was on the ball when the fielder got it transferred to the palm of the fielder's hand. It, it, was, it was a hot day. He was sweating. <laughs> he was sweating, and that's not his fault. You know, it's hot. It's humid in some of these places. It can be it's very genetic, hard to grip the ball. It's a genetic thing. <laughs> yeah, it's really, really ridiculous. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it has. it's a joke. It is an absolute joke. I'd be so pumped if I was a fielder right now. I'd be like, oh, I can miss whatever, and I'm going to be totally fine. I'm going to have perfect fielding percentage, even though I only catch one out of every three balls. That's going to be, it's going to be a break from it. It
0: makes historical data horribly wrong. Yeah. I mean, you'll have a Louis Eparicio with a fielding average less probably than than a Tim Anderson, uh, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, And yes, we have more stats now. But not all of them go back that many years. And, yeah, you get range factors and, and defensive runs saved and all that kind of stuff. But still, if a guy's being given a hit, that's not as punishing in those categories as if it's golden era. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous. Anyhow, we better get out to the White Sox. Ah, uh, yes,
1: the White Sox. They're still around.
0: Yes, uh, the, the adventurous week what a week uh we started out with tim anderson assuming a south boxing stance Southball. Uh, maybe the reason he's been such a bad fielder all these years is he's really left-handed
1: but you know i talk about this at, at my slow pitch softball league a lot because i'm batting a thousand from the left side and I'm, I'm definitely not a left-handed thrower but i was like you know i think maybe my dad did me wrong i think maybe i would have been a <laughs> a power hitter from the left side. Now, granted, they are all ruled hits in my league, and I don't think a single one of them has been an actual hit. I think it's only been errors by the second baseman. Uh, but those are hits, baby. I'm batting 1,000. I'm 1,000. <laughs> there you go. And
0: you, if you make it to the majors, you got the same thing going for you. Uh, but so Tim squares off, and I think made the bad decision to do it against one of the most respected players, in all of baseball, a guy who had never been suspended for a game in his entire career, who was obviously the leader of his team and defending his team mates uh, because he really is a team leader. We'll get into this. There's no team leader in the White Sox.
1: I've so- never seen Jose Ramirez give a bad look to anybody. <laughs> I've never seen him mouthed off to anybody, ever. This is the most quiet, calm superstar in the sport he lets his game do the talking he always has and he plays every game plays every game plays hard every game when he's not playing well he works harder and harder and harder to get better which he does because he is an elite baseball player what tim anderson i I mean obviously he wasn't thinking well he wasn't thinking in the way that a, a sane person would be thinking in those moments Ramirez slides into second base. Not a dirty slide by any means. It was a head first slide, which tend not to be that dirty because a dirty head first slide is going to hurt one person only, and that's the guy sliding. Uh, You tend not to lead with the head in this sport when you're trying to not get hurt. Slides through Anderson's legs. Didn't even take him out. Nothing dirty about it. Turns around. Asks for the, the, gives him the hand of like, help me get up or whatever, is what it appeared to be. Anderson clearly then said something that you can't take back. I don't know if it was about someone's mama or what it was, but said something he absolutely shouldn't have said. Because Jose Ramirez then got in his face. And then Anderson squares up to box like a lefty, which made even less sense. Every single thing that happened made less sense as it went along. It was maybe you know, I, I, I the think worst we go back fight in it. professional sports.
0: And Tim and Tim has been let's say off the mark quite a bit lately. He's having a horrible season. Uh that gets to you. It absolutely gets to you. And uh his oh, got off-field problems. That gets to you. I think it's just too much on one suggestion that somebody made somewhere, I think maybe in Rick Han's press conference was if you thought of getting him some help you yeah. know just yes, a, a little a little counseling a little something because i mean he's always had anger management issues but they're really they're really bad this year and and you can see why but he needs somebody somehow to go, relax guy you're really a really good baseball player
1: you'll get there don't worry I totally agree with you. I, I I think he just needs some help because Tim is not an evil guy. He, no, there's no, there's nothing not. evil about Tim Anderson. He may not be the brightest uh, light bulb, but I will say he is not. He has not been a guy throughout his career to just antagonize. He's not an Albert Bell. He's not throwing elbows going into a second baseman halfway down the base path. This is a guy who is having a horrible season on and off the field, and it is manifesting itself in the game in the worst way. And, and honestly, has been for a couple seasons now, at which Ramirez touched on in his press conference, saying that Tim has been res- disrespecting the game for years, and we are out here just trying to make money for our families, and he is doing things that puts our health and safety in jeopardy. And that is uncalled for, and I, I can't do anything but side with Jose Ramirez a hundred percent with that sentiment. Yeah,
0: now, I mean, the finest every, stuff
1: you read on on White Sox sides, of course, people are taking overwhelmingly
0: taking Tim's side because he's our guy. You know, you defend your guy. He's almost almost like being. But, a team
1: but honestly, he fine, is almost reality, not our guy anymore. The fans are turning on good. him big time. The fans are turning on him as they should be. One, because he doesn't produce anymore. But two, because he's just doing this kind of crap. Um, I, I get siding with him, kind of. But look at the events that took place. Where is Jose Ramirez, the the leader in this in this behavior? He's not. That was all Tim. Tim throws out the glove, puts up the puts up the Dukes, then proceeds to somehow take a right hook to the face. While Ramirez is being held back by two guys, so not only is he a bad baseball player, but Tim is also clearly a terrible mono imano fighter uh and then gets hit so hard uh that he goes down onto his seat and Which, then what, his, looked
0: like an open hand
1: it did it did and and if it wasn't a fully if it wasn't a slap, you know it was. It didn't have that sort of hook around to get the real knuckles there. It was kind of like one of these going into the face, sort of an open palm, open uh, fist kind of thing. He went down quick, and then the teammate's trying to help him off the field. He's saying, I'm fine, I'm fine, and the guy is seeing birds. I mean, he is, he is not able to walk on his own, really. He got hit very hard on a punch that certainly could not have been 100% of a punch from Jose Ramirez. No,
0: certainly it uh, didn't look like it.
1: Then you see Terry Francona's interview, which was spectacular, where the reporter leads by saying, what do you think of Ramirez's left hook? And Francona corrects him immediately. It was the right hook. Uh, and then says, you know, it's not funny at all, but it's kind of hard <laughs> not to laugh. Which is true. I mean, you have a guy who throws down his love, puts up, puts up his Dukes like it's a boxing match, and then gets, you know, cold cocked and loses the fight in the most dramatic fashion. Then goes on a Twitter, you know, sort of a Trumpian weird. Twitter spree of very weird, opaque, hazy messaging that is, you know, again, it comes back to just get the guy some help. This dude is clearly in shambles mentally, in absolute shambles. And we know that that's not what Tim is. We know that that's not what Tim is. Tim wasn't doing this stuff for years and years and years. He's always had an attitude, but it's always been about the game. And it has never been this and fun. Kind of thing. It was, thing. It was,
0: it was sometimes an in-your-face to the opponent, but it was in a, in a fun
1: it was it was the kind of in your face thing you know. where at, we're at the end. You're giving each other dap at the end of the inning because yeah, the doing, doing the dozens, of, as it were, the type of smack talk. He was dishing as well as he was taking. You know, it was one of those things. Now he can't take at all. He can't take at all, and he's dishing in a very inappropriate way. I'm. This will be very unpopular opinion, but if I were the White Sox, I would not pick up that option. I think it is time to part ways with Tim Anderson. He needs to go to a different organization that's going to take better care of him, that's going to help him get some help, that has some semblance of leadership. You know, I'm around the Dodgers here. If this were happening with the Dodgers, there's no way they're not getting that guy some help. There's no way those managers aren't stepping in and trying to correct this path. It, it is It is the culture, which I'm sure is going to be our next big talking point. <laughs> since We have yeah. some, some interesting things going on with, with the culture of the White Sox, but... You know, when it comes down to Tim, the guy needs help. And no matter what he's done off the field, no matter what the home situation is, this is a human being. This is a guy who absolutely deserves, you know, leadership, mentorship, and, a and helping you know what? from his workplace.
0: I think he sought it. I and agree. The thing in this is, he was the first three months of the year, he was literally the worst hitter in baseball in the month of July where we're coming up to the trade deadline and he is in essence, auditioning for other teams. Suddenly he was playing well. And I don't mean he wasn't trying before. I'm sure he was, but now, I agree now, now he's auditioning and he's got a different mindset of how he's got to go about this and how he's got to prove himself to teams. And then it got to the end of the month. And I, I think that, uh, He didn't go to the Dodgers. They did Ahmed Rosario instead, which had to be a a real blow. And then Toronto suddenly needs a shortstop when Bichette gets hurt, and they don't take him either. They've got two choices to go with, and they get the other guy in 15 minutes instead of obviously didn't even talk to, to Han about Tim. And that's got to have hurt. And now we're in August, and I think he's four for twenty with eight strikeouts or, or something like that. He's, he's suffering again. I, yeah, I mean he needs. You know to be they some-
1: always say they always say a lot of times in these scenarios guys will do something that's a a cry for help, and in a lot of ways that fight kind of felt like that. Watching it felt like a guy who was literally at the end of his rope and nobody's helping him nobody's, you know, teaching him how to handle these off the field issues or the on the field issues, which we'll talk about a little bit more after our break, of course, as we get into the culture and the other things that have come up. But nobody's helping this man. And there is a lot of stigma, particularly in his community, about getting that kind of help. You need leadership from older people to tell you it is okay to address these things. And help this man get right and for the first time ever. And Hunt, Hunt, much as I thought Hunt's press conference was
0: an act of abject stupidity, it wasn't all that way. And one of the things he mentioned was that for the first time ever, and it I've seen it done, Major League Baseball is allowing an IL stint for mental health. And I've seen at least a couple of those, and I don't remember. Yes, definitely. No, we definitely have those
1: this season there's been and, quite a few actually i think 15 day il stints for that
0: and and that's a really good thing and in a way six game suspension uh, the little peel it, it'll go down to five that may be good for tim but he's not going out and getting the getting the break is good he's not going out and getting the counseling or, or whatever he needs on that end which is unfortunate and we sound here like we're really dumping on tim and we both loved Tim for, for many years. Yeah. He's just, he's falling apart.
1: And he really needs some help to get it back together. He, he really, really does. And I truly hope that if the White Sox aren't going to handle this in the appropriate way, which I do have, I have zero faith that they will. I hope that he ends up on a different team next year, gets another chance and gets to be in a, a healthier clubhouse organization, uh, which we will touch on right after this break in a dramatic fashion, (laughs) thanks to Keenan Middleton and Lance Lynn, among others. Uh, So stick around, and we'll be right back on Sharing Socks. Welcome back to Sharing Socks. We talked about Tim in the first half. Let's move on to the rest of this disaster of an organization, which kind of uh, kicked off with Keenan Middleton going to the Yankees, saying, I will shave my beard right now. I want to go to a place that has rules and the White Sox have no rules. And without throwing current management under the bus, he did say it seemed to be a holdover from previous years, which we all know who was running the show in previous years. Uh, but it was as scathing of a review of your previous place of employment as you can possibly have. I mean, it, it's shocking to see that come from a middle relief pitcher, Uh especially a guy who's, you know, wasn't with the franchise all that long and didn't pitch in the majors all that long, which tells you it was really, really, really bad while he was uh, there. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's got a lot of years in the majors, but but never as a star. The most fun to me of that, before we get to the response from the team, was Lance Lynn. Lance because okay, Middleton, okay, he's a middle reliever. Maybe he's got a grudge or something. He wanted to be a closer one. <laughs> Lance Lynn. Is that AJ's podcast? Yeah, anyway, yeah. Uh, so AJ asked Lynn about what Middleton said, <laughs> and Lance goes, "Well, I'll
1: tell you the part that he got wrong. <laughs> we didn't freeze. We didn't freeze." Lance Lynn yeah. uh, went with and he the, rock star and bit the slow of smile silence. comes over his face. Thirty and seconds smile comes over AJ's,
0: oh, AJ's face. going, Oh yeah, I understand. <laughs> so yeah. So it's and because. This all predates Middleton anyway. Of course, Lance has been around for a few years. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, big trouble. And then Jesse Rogers, beyond all those things being said, uh, on on ESPN was talking about Makata never works. And with with, Joanna, I I don't know. Has his back been bad all this time? And he's just playing in pain and he shouldn't be. I I think his career is almost over. It's an old third baseman ailment to have a bad back. And it takes a lot of them out early, and maybe it's done that to
1: him. I I do think Moncada, and and we've witnessed this um, kind of starting from his music video era on, has just not really been present. Uh, I I don't get the impression that he loves the game the way that he previously did. Now that's not to say that he couldn't if he were somewhere else. Uh, I think Moncada is is one of the most disappointing. You know, players in in recent memory, and not because of his talent. It, it well, no, I'll say it's because of his talent. His talent is unbelievable. Trust me, we have watched this guy play from the minute he got to the United States. This guy, if he had the right leadership and could stay healthy, I mean, you're talking about a guy with elite physical baseball talent. Natural defensively, you still see
0: it defensively.
1: When, when he turns it on, you still see it. I mean, even some days offensively, when he decides to be locked in and decides to be present, he he can go off on anybody on any given day. But he is, I think, also in a place where the clubhouse culture is not going to be good for a guy like him. And, of course, Rogers threw Moncada under the bus and also Eloy, who he said was all smiles but doesn't work hard, which is kind of You're what not- we've t- we it's not a shock. It's yeah, not, it's, it's not really a shock.
0: It's just, just such a lovable guy. You don't
1: want to say. Yeah, exactly. And, and you, well,
0: put, and, a young, and you put a
1: young happy go lucky guy in this scenario with no leadership, with no vision, with trickle down garbage from the GM and ownership. I mean, is it his fault that he's not working hard and that he's lost? Is it? Is that really on him? I mean, you got to remember that a lot of these guys are kids when they come up. And and or very young adults, you know, these are guys who are still figuring out who they are. So when you come into this environment where you're all of a sudden you're making millions of dollars, and this happens a ton in basketball as well, uh, and football, all the major sports, you get these young guys making millions of dollars. If they don't have good leadership, it does not go well. It does not go well. It never has, and it never will. They think, oh, we're giving these guys millions of dollars. They should be great. Well, they are young and a lot of them are wealthy for the first time. And you put them in this environment. And when you have terrible ownership, you have terrible management, uh, both general management, you know, front office and in the dugout, bad management. These guys are going to stretch. They're going to get lost. And I don't necessarily blame them. I mean, that's a tough position to be in. Yes, you're making millions of dollars. But if you have no one who's teaching you how to be a better player, how to be a better man, you're likely not going to find that on your own. And it's very rare when guys do, and it's very special when they do. So, again, I think it comes down to a lot of what we were talking about with Tim is is not having a a work environment that breeds success in any way, shape, or form. And that's not to say these guys – are soft in any way this is a tough career it is grueling you know a lot of times you're, you play 162 games in 185 days or so in the heat in the summer and you have huge expectations you have people booing you people cheering for you you don't know what you're going to get that day management ownership is so so important for that clubhouse culture that can make a team gel and you know, I, I'm not surprised to see Lance Lynn back up Middleton on this kind of thing. I'm not surprised to see Rogers coming out and talking about it as well. That organization uh, Grandal, is,
0: is let's voice. Let's
1: get Grandal
0: in there too. And you know, I'm not I have not been a Y this money Grandal fan. Not no. for the reasons I listed here, but because I think he's a whiner. Yeah. But, uh but what Rogers came out says with the word on Grandal was that the pitchers don't like him, he doesn't support his pitchers. Uh, then the other thing came up where Grandel wanted to leave the day before the All-Star break, and Tim went, really got angry about that, in a leadership way. Good good Tim, in this case. Yeah. Said, oh, yeah, he wants to go out and buy him his ticket. And then the then Tim was in the hot tub, and Grandel came by and slapped him. Now, Hans says that that's a lie. Or, I mean, Grandel's denied it. You think he's lying? Well, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. But I, I think it's
1: possible. Yeah, um, I mean, but, why lie about it? Why lie about it? It's not like it was a, a, a pivotal moment. There's no nothing helps you by making up this interaction. So no. I, I don't understand why you would lie about it. And maybe it's blown out of proportion. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. You know, a, a super aggressive move. Yeah, um, maybe it was just a, a head head pat.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: It, it you know Tim's got some flair for the dramatics, so. Uh, it, it could just be a little bit of that but what was even more telling to me about grandall was Middleton and, and in reality Lynn confirming that he is just a nightmare for the pitchers to work with and you know that's your main catcher <laughs> well you, and he's, he
0: hasn't been a good catcher for I don't know six years maybe
1: but there's a yeah. difference he, between not being a good career, catcher he, he,
0: he, got, he got good defensive run save numbers and
1: various catcher numbers, but he hasn't for a very long but time. But there's a difference between not being a good catcher and being highly problematic towards yeah. your pitching staff. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of guys yeah. who aren't great catchers in Major League Baseball who I, aren't contributing negatively in reality towards the pitching staff in in, in too, too pivotal of a way.
0: And my, my guess is that reputation, because ballplayers talk to ballplayers and other teams, and so do the managers and general managers. Of course. My guess is that may be a reason that they, they couldn't get rid of him at the trade deadline. Even oh yeah, presumably giving money. I, I I think. I mean, he. In fairness, now to his money, he's old for a catcher. He's got no knees. He's probably better off just retiring. Let it go at that. Absolutely. Um, but now, oh, the next <laughs> the things that we we get the Hans response, which is all, oh, let's throw Middleton under any bus that we can find here. And, oh, he came to me and apologized for doing something bad. I didn't think it was that bad, but we don't know what it was. We're just blaming him for whatever, because Rick said, well, you, what stays in nice the clubhouse But then what Han does is, is, well, we had some problems. We knew we had some problems with, with people who weren't pulling for the team just themselves, but we got rid of those. Yeah. Got rid of those at the trade deadline. Now, there are seven guys that went at the trade deadline. He's not talking about Middleton because he's already talked about Middleton. Plus, we know this culture problem goes predates this year and Middleton wasn't there. So he's got six guys left, and he has thrown them under the red line. Yeah. Because now it's all, well, which one of these guys is the guys that's a terrible human being that did this kind of stuff? Which one was it? And you got to sit there and guess. And my guess is probably none of them. Yeah, because I'm like, Giolito,
1: definitely not Giolito. Giolito's the guy they elected to be their team rep. Golden reputation. Loved the White Sox. I think was one of the only guys actually trying to right the ship there at times uh struggling in in los angeles but you know it's not giolito i don't think it's lance lynn because lance lynn It's
0: possible because lance is i mean again if it even exists uh because he's outspoken and has been i mean sure. he, he, he he and liam
1: hendricks were the, the two last year going for for sake catch the ball you know he's he's outspoken but is he ever wrong that's the thing <laughs> not, not he's he's not he's not a whiner about things that aren't happening He's definitely not a whiner. He is, he is a outspoken. He, he goes after people the way he goes after batters, which is unapologetically aggressive. And, you know, if that was a problem for them because they were running a garbage organization and Lance Lynn was telling you, this is a garbage organization. I don't think that's on Lance Lynn. In fact, I think getting rid of them is just trying to ignore your problems. Um, Look at the
0: other guys too. We got four relievers, uh, Lopez, Kelly. Kelly's a bit of a hothead. Who who knows? Kelly is
1: beloved in the clubhouse. Kelly is beloved in the clubhouse. So so we won't go with Kelly. We've got Graveman. Doesn't seem like he says enough to be a real problem. Graveman
0: seems like a kind of guy you just pass in the hall and you say hi. Yeah, Uh, super quiet. I'm missing a reliever somewhere. Uh, Lopez. Oh, Lopez, yeah. Another guy. Where <laughs> <laughs> Just seems like a quiet guy goes about his business. Now, Han had said originally when they were getting into this, well, we're only going to let go guys who are uh, going to be gone in a year anyway. Which all of the pitchers fit. All six of the pitchers fit. You know who doesn't fit? is Jake, Jake Berger. Berger. I have a very, very hard time believing that the only guy who ever <laughs> – this year look like he enjoys the game of baseball <laughs> was one who was upsetting the clubhouse culture because he's so selfish <laughs> i
1: i, I can't it. i can't put the likelihood of that at zero percent but i'm <laughs> willing to go point zero 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 one on jake Berger being the issue there there is just nothing about jake burger that That makes it seem like he would be difficult to work with at all. The guy, as you just said, the guy seems to actually like the game of baseball. Maybe that was the problem because they were breeding a clubhouse that makes you hate the game of baseball. That they didn't like, they were like, oh, Jake Berger, why is he having fun? We better get him out of here. Um, That trade made no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, good for the Marlins, but... Why Jake Berger is now a Marlin is so confusing. And on his first game,
0: now he's not done, I, I I just looked it up before we started talking, that he's only four for 20 or something like that with the Marlins. But first day, he had a homer, a homer that was instrumental in winning a game. And his statement was, I haven't had this much fun playing baseball for a long time. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing that that is not, Casting aspersions on anyone. That's not saying bad things about your former teammates, but it is. Yeah. It, it is. It definitely now, could is. It, could it be he wasn't having fun because they were losing all the time? Yeah.
1: That could be the sole reason. But the Marlins haven't been good since they got him. <laughs> You know, It's not like you went to the Marlins and the Marlins are on the fast track. The Marlins are slowly fading into oblivion right now. So it's not like you got over there and all of a sudden you're in this winning – that's because
0: Louisa Rice isn't hitting 500 anymore.
1: I know, he's down to a paltry 375 or something. Uh, but that says a lot. That says a lot. And, you know, getting rid of Jake Berger, who I totally thought was one of the only guys maybe worth keeping, not because he's great, but because he's got power and a good attitude. And it seems like that's pretty valuable to the White Sox organization. But they, they let him go, despite having years of control. Uh just an absolute bonehead move. I mean, Rick Hahn got some good stuff in these trades. However, he got good stuff in these trades because other teams did stupid things more than he did really smart things. He took top prospects in bad trades way more than he did finding a a golden person in the list of prospects and bringing them into the White Sox organization. I, I, I can't even really upon any credit for what went down at the deadline. Yes, he unloaded guys, but he was gonna unload guys. I mean, everybody all the talk going into the deadline was are the White Sox gonna get rid of all 26? You know, <laughs> what are what are they gonna do? Who all's going? Almost everybody's gonna go. So it's not like this was genius to be like, oh, I'm gonna make these deals. Yeah, he got a lot from Lucas Giolito, but that is on the Angels being absolutely stupid. Stupid and giving up their only two good prospects to try to keep Shohei Otani by showing that we're going to Well, make and, moves. and which,
0: is, and frankly, that's something they had to do. It is. The, the Angels were in a desperate situation where Otani was concerned. Uh, and I should point out, Lucas had a meh game his first game out, horrible one, his second time up, pitched last night, that'd be Tuesday night. And had a, had a quality start, gave up three. Yeah, runs he was all right. Innings, but but all, all three runs were in one inning. His other five innings were clean. Yeah. Uh, so he's doing fine. Lance is doing well. All of the relievers are doing well. I think he's, a couple of them have had a bad inning, not bad inning, but one run inning. Nobody, I don't think anybody's given up more one, one run it. Well, Lance
1: but. has been pitching stellar. In, but in now, and he
0: still, he still giving up homers. He's given up four homers in his two starts, I believe, three and then one. Solo shots. Uh, but he's yeah. not
1: letting anybody else on base, so they're, they're just solo shots. <laughs> well, and that's the thing with Lance Lynn, you know. he When he's pitching well, he's still going to give up solo home runs because he's, as I said before, he's unapologetically aggressive. He is fearless, and sometimes that's to a fault. He grooves a lot of fastballs right down the middle. He tries to beat you with the fastball, which is only 94, 95 miles per hour. So unless it's got some good location, guys are going hit, to hit that ball hard. Uh, but, you know, in today's game, giving up one to three solo shots is almost always going to get you a win if you're on a team with an offense that's worth anything. So Lance is looking like exactly what the Dodgers needed him to be, which is a guy who's going to eat innings, work hard, Uh, I was able to watch his first bullpen session in Los Angeles. He was, you know, with Mark Pryor the whole time, looking at grips, looking at an iPad that was showing all different sorts of grips on how to grip these pitches. He was making adjustments. This is a guy who's been around a long time. He could just come in and say, I'm going to play the way I'm going to play. They were laughing. They were smiling. He He is working on his pitching at becoming a better pitcher. That tells me what the environment was like, where he was, that those things were not happening. Or if they were trying to happen, the culture was so bad, it was just disregarded. Um, Which, you know, I've said that the Ethan Katz experiment is over. I'm not laying culture blame on Ethan Katz at all. Uh, But I will say, I I don't think he's the pitching coach guru that we all hoped that he was going to be. Um, Although, you know, I I, I think that... I think it's still out on
0: that because there are still guys who come to the team. I know you do. And get better, <laughs> and get better, and and that's that's a key. And Middleton was one.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And but it is very telling when you send all these guys out and you start to see them play better, play smarter, uh, start doing new things, approaching the game in new ways. I mean, I've I've. Learned a lot watching a lot of a lot of pregame stuff at Dodger Stadium, and just the amount of work that they're putting in. You know, I was there when Ahmed Rosario was moving to second base for the first time, and the third base coach Dino for the Dodgers was out there for you know over an hour just having Rosario cut across second base for a double play. Just the same motion over and over to get that footwork right, to get those mechanics right, to get that. I've never seen that pregame at the White Sox. I mean, I've seen them take some fly balls, some ground balls, but I haven't seen that kind of hands-on coaching with Major League Baseball players. And I don't think it exists there. I really don't think it exists there. Or we would have seen it at some point. We get to the ballpark early enough when we're in Chicago that we would see something like that. And, you know, this is not you know, at, at one in the afternoon for a night game. This is when the gates are open. Rosario is out there learning how to cover second base. And, and that says a lot. Fre- Freddie Freeman's taking hundreds of ground balls at shortstop because he wants to get better at fielding ground balls. I mentioned earlier on the podcast, this has got zero errors this year. That kind of work ethic we do not see from the White Sox in any way shape or form and there is no one to blame for that but management and front office it is it is a trickle down nightmare in that organization right now and we have said this a thousand times but until ryanstorp is gone and williams and hahn are gone i don't think anything will change on the south side of chicago i agree which is probably a good way to wrap up. (laughs) I think it is. It's a good uplifting final note. Um, (laughs) Yes, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, We will be off next week, but we will be back the week after that when the White Sox are somehow in first place, although there's not actually enough days between now and then for them to get (laughs) into first place. So uh, that's a spoiler alert on that one. Uh, but thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you in a couple weeks right back here on Sharing Socks.